if you want to be a millionaire, you have to become a millionaire, right? And, and I don't mean in your bank account, but in your head. You got to start thinking like that. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. You may have subscribed to us before as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Don't worry. All we've done is change the name. Everything else you loved about the show is still here. So let's jump into the episode. Welcome again to the Authority Builder Podcast. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I'm your host today, and I am really excited to bring this special interview to you. It's part of a new series that we're doing specifically for attorneys. I think it'll be great for anyone in professional practice, but specifically today, we're talking to the attorneys in the audience. And my guest today is Michael Chastain. He has been a practicing criminal defense attorney for over 36 years. He began his career in the Santa Clara County Public Defender's Office, and uh, there he handled all of the most difficult cases. He then went into private practice and built the Chastain Law Office, now Chastain Jones, and has successfully exited his law practice. And now he helps other attorneys do the same thing. And just going to be a great interview. Uh, we, we had a little chat before we started. Uh, and I will tell you, Mike, is a wealth of wisdom when it comes to building a practice and then exiting it. Uh, and so, Mike, I am really excited to have you here. Welcome to the Authority Builder podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here myself. So uh, you've done something that an awful lot of professionals dream about. And we were joking before we started, you know, the old quip from every attorney I ever hear is, well, they never they never taught us any of this business stuff in law school. I would love to kind of get a little bit of your backstory on how you made it to the point of building the law firm and then realizing at some point you needed to build it so that you could exit and actually making that happen. So give us a little bit of that that timeline, that story. Sure. So uh, as you indicated, I was a public defender for almost 17 years um, in San Jose, California, uh, moved up to the Sacramento area during the middle of the dot-com boom where everything was just kind of going crazy in the Bay Area. Um, so moved my, my family. I've got three daughters. Um, and I worked for another firm for a little while. Ultimately, in 2007, went out on my own. That really wasn't part of the plan. I had never really planned on running my own um, office. I didn't have any business background. Um, I was a very good lawyer. I'm a, I am a very good lawyer. I've been you know, selected one of the best lawyers in the country and, and have all those accolades. And I just sort of thought that uh, because I was good, people would somehow know and show up and pay me. Well, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so I struggled for a number of years. Um, and then I began to invest and I invested in mentors. I began to invest time of reading books um, and really studying business and trying to figure out how to turn the ship around because um, the worst thing is working your butt off and being broke. So that started to turn things around. I began to um, track all my data. I began to really keep an eye on my bank accounts and understand where I was at any given time using the Profit First systemology um, by Mike Michalowicz. And uh, the firm um, became, became very profitable. We you know, uh, were doing seven figures on a regular basis. And then I kind of had a, a bit of an epiphany. Uh, I started having some friends die. You know, I was in that age group where friends of mine were passing away. A guy I went to high school with um, died suddenly. And, you know, I began to think, well, do I want to continue to do this? So I started looking into the idea of selling it. And because I had the data, um, many years of historical data of our firm, 
Um, ultimately, I was able to, to sell the firm. Um, I've stayed on of counsel in large part so that my name can stay on the on the door because that's part of what I sold is that reputation. And now I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, am working with other uh, firms to you know help them go on the same journey if that's what they choose to do. So you you kind of had this epiphany like, hey, I need to I, I need to change the way I'm doing things at some point. And uh, I'm curious what what were the first few things that you felt like you needed to put in place to to start to make that transition to having a firm that could be sold. So just to be um, very transparent, I, I didn't start with the idea of selling the firm. That wasn't really what I was thinking about. What I was thinking about is, is I wanted to make the firm profitable. I didn't want to be laying in bed, staring at the roof, trying to figure out how to pay the rent. That was really stressful. I'm a criminal defense lawyer, the job's stressful anyway. So I didn't want, you know, I, I needed to figure out a way out of that. That was really the the epiphany. I just couldn't continue to to, to do that. It was, you know, affecting my health. It was affecting, uh, ultimately affected my marriage. I wound up getting divorced uh, in, in part because of financial difficulties. Um, we had a real tough time in 08, 09 um, during the housing crisis. That really affected our practice. So, you know, I had gone from having a few lawyers work for me to basically being back to square one. I was in, uh, in a broom closet by myself, uh, had no staff whatsoever. And to get to the answer to your question, what did I start doing? I started to invest in myself, invest in mentors. And one of the first things that my mentor said is, he says, well, why are you doing your bookkeeping? You know, so let's, he said, let's start getting stuff off your plate. Because I'm doing everything, you know, I'm the the bottle washer, the chief cook, right? I'm doing it all. Uh, and he said, you know, let's start taking stuff off your plate. And so the very first thing I did is I got a bookkeeper. Um, it wasn't something I was particularly good at. You know, as a criminal defense lawyer, the, the one place that you can get yourself in trouble really is, is if you mess around with your trust fund, if your trust fund's not to the penny, Right. And I'm not an accountant. I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing the best I could. So I invested in a bookkeeper. Well, that instantly freed up about 10 hours a week. Now, most lawyers will tell you, oh, it doesn't take me that long to do it. Well, I beg to differ. If they track their time and they really knew, it takes a lot longer than you think, you know, because I had to track all the money coming in and coming out. Now our firm, not only do we have a bookkeeper and accountant, but we have a controller. Somebody who is in charge of all the money that comes in and all the money that comes out. I don't look at any. All I do is look at the reports. So um, that was the first step um, before hiring a lawyer, before hiring a paralegal. Um, and then I got a phone person, someone to deal with all the incoming calls um, so that I didn't have to answer the phone anymore. Because if you had to rely on Mike to answer the phone, that was not good. Um, so that somebody answers the phone, follows up on all the leads. And then I brought in some legal talent. I brought in a lawyer uh, and then a paralegal. And ultimately, our sweet spot is uh, three lawyers total and usually one, sometimes two, but one paralegal. That's kind of our sweet spot for, for our firm. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that's what you've just described there in a very short time is a, a pretty big transformation, I think, you know, from from where you were for a lot of firms. Um, and a lot of attorneys listening to this who are maybe in that position where you started, it it can be hard to see that progression because it probably took 
you know, period of years to get there. Um, and it didn't all happen, you know, it didn't happen instantly. You had to kind of do, take each step probably to see what the next step should be. Um, right. Well, there, there's a there's a math equation here, right? And, and and once I understood the math of it, um, it made it a lot easier. So I was paying, I think, you know, our bookkeeper, I don't know, twenty five or thirty dollars an hour. I don't remember exactly, but I was billing at three hundred now. So what that basically meant is that if I build one extra hour, she was paid for, right? And I had freed up ten hours. So if I build five hours, I was totally in the plus. Plus, I had five more hours free. Once I started understanding that math, the 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 next piece became pretty pretty easy. Now I you know that first time I had to cut her a check, that was a little scary, right? Because it takes a minute for things to catch up, but it didn't take long. I mean, within a month, I was making more money than I had been making before I hired her uh, without adding any other staff, just having her. And so as you know, and that's been basically the progression when you do the math and you figure out, you know, what your billable hour is versus, um, how many hours you actually have to work versus what you're paying them and what you're freeing up, you know, the math becomes pretty simple. Um, you know, nowadays I bill, you know, at double that. And so the numbers are even better, but, you know, you got to get past that first paycheck. That was the that was the hard part. Once you got first that past that first paycheck, it got better. Yeah, you know, I've heard that from virtually everyone I've ever talked to who's been through that transition. It's it's scary at the outset, but once you make the leap, you realize I've just created such an abundance of new time and usually new revenue because you know, anytime you free up that much time for somebody who's running a firm, you're going to generate new revenue. It's inevitable. Um, right. and, uh, and so it's, it's pretty easy to, to pay for those resources quickly. So as you're working with attorneys now, you're kind of guiding them, you know, through this process, where, where do you begin with them? Your mentor started with bookkeeping. Do you start in the same place with people that you're working with or how, how do you identify where they need to begin this transition? Um, well, the, the first thing is to, is to understand what their goals are. Um, what is it that they want to accomplish and to not superimpose my ideas on them? So like I have one client who simply wants to go half time. Um, I had one client who just wanted to get, you know, uh, a positive cash flow. So you got to start where people are. But then what I do is, you know, I go through all of their systems and I start to look for what the big rocks are in their situation, you know, the Stephen Covey con concept or the traction concept of the big rocks. What is it that um, will move the needle the most initially? Um, what do they need? And um, for some people, it's what they need to do is get rid of certain employees, right? Other people is they need to add folks. Um, so I try to meet them where they are. And the big piece that most of them don't have is they don't have any data collection. So they don't know where their leads came from. They don't know how many leads are coming in. They don't know how many are setting appointments, how many are showing up. Um, they know how many hired, but that's, that's about it. And they don't know the value of their cases. They think they do, but they really don't because they're not tracking time. And this is really endemic in the uh, criminal defense realm. Nobody seems to track time. And it's such a huge mistake. How can you set, you know, they're doing this flat rate model, which is very popular now. 
But how can you say what the flat rate is, what the cost of that is, if you have no idea how long it's going to take you? Um, what you think it'll take and what it actually takes is usually very different. Um, one client of mine, for example, I asked him, I said, how many, how many billable hours do you think you do um, a day? And he said, well, I do probably six or seven. Okay, that's really, really good. Let's, uh, let's track it and let's find out. Well, the real number was two and a half. And that actually corresponds to what Clio, which is one a case management firm, says is that the average lawyer does about two and a half hours uh, of, bill, of actual billable time. Well, there's a big difference there, right? And now that he knows that one, he can improve that. And, and so he's um, put himself in a position where he's billing more time, but now he knows the, the reality of it, how much time he was really given away or doing on other stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it, getting away from the billable hour is talked about a lot, talked about a lot in law and a lot of other, you know, traditional hourly billing kind of, you know, industries. And you see a lot of people move to that model. And I think most often the motivation is just to stop tracking time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not often a lot of understanding because tracking time, I mean, I, I've been in a business where that was necessary to do the billing. And, you know, it's a pain in the the rear end sometimes it's an administrative task that you know most people don't want to do but it, it's also a big trap if you shift and then don't know what your costs are because you're still selling time you're right. just packaging it differently right so yeah i can see that as being a big trap so well, um, and, and i would just say you know the, the software out there nowadays makes it pretty easy i mean all you gotta do is click a button and and you know and then you, you'll know how much time you're doing. So um, it's not as hard as it used to be where I had to keep it on a spreadsheet and all of that. Yeah. So, so you know, it's one thing to look at all the systems and the the processes in a firm and and beef those up and get, get into the numbers and all that. How much emphasis do you put on developing the attorney who is leading the firm, whether they're solo or small firm? Is that a focus as well? Absolutely. So if, if you want to be, be a millionaire, you have to become a millionaire, right? And, and I don't mean in your bank account, but in your head, you got to start thinking like that. Um, in our firm, the rule is I don't do anything that doesn't require a bar card. So just like any other CEO um, of a big comp company, you know, the CEO of Google is not sweeping the floors. Right. He's not doing the dishes. He's not ordering the food in the cafeteria. So I have people that do all of that or our firm has people that that do all of that. It's a very value. It's very valuable. It's, it's not a question of whether it's important or valuable. It's just a question of whether it's important for me to do it. Um, so it's it's that mindset getting out of your own way and letting go. Micromanaging is probably the single biggest problem that small and solo firms have. They, they feel like they got to make, they got to be part of every single decision. That really is bad for your employees. You got to give your employees the, the parameters to do their job and let go. And so, you know, trust and verify, right? I have, I have a, like I said, we have a controller um, in our office who, you know, manages all the money in and out. We have a bookkeeper and we have accountant. And, you know, I don't look over their shoulders on any of that. But I do get a report and I look at the P&L virtually every day. And so, one, that just keeps everybody honest, right? You know, make sure nobody's skimming the till. But two, if there's a mistake, because I know what those numbers are, 
I'm going to pick it up almost immediately. And so, you know, but how they do their job, you know, I'm not going to get in, I'm not going to get in the middle of that. That's, you know, <laughs> they're going to do a better job about it than I am. So that the whole, the, the point is, is that micromanaging every single thing is a mistake. Now, having said that, initially setting up your systems, you, you do want to kind of micromanage the client experience, walk yourself through it. What happens when they walk through the door? How, do, what happens when they answer the phone? You, you do want to set all of that up. But once, once you have the, the system in place, then let, let your employees do the job. Yeah. That, and I, I think that's, you were going right where my next question was with, with the systems, because I think that for a lot of uh, attorneys, they don't want to give up that control. I mean, let's be honest, there can be a lot of liability if a, if a mistake is made. And so I've heard that excuse used by a lot of our clients as we've worked with them that, you know, they don't want to give up that extra bit of control, you know, to, to a team member who might not do it up to standard. Well, the first rule is set the standard, right? And that's, I think, really what you're talking about with the systems is here's what the process looks like and here's the performance standard that's required. And now you have something to measure against. And I think that's really key. Outside of what they do, you know, in the practice itself, what are some of the things that that the clients you're working with, maybe you try and get them to pay attention to, you know, just as a human to, to kind of get themselves in a position to make this shift because it, it, it's not just about the business. Right. Absolutely. So in, in my book, uh, Legal Ease, the ultimate guide on how to survive a law practice, I talk a lot about sleep, um, the importance of getting sleep. You know, it's, it, uh, to me, it is the secret weapon. If you don't get enough sleep, if, if you are, you know, chronically sleep deprived, which according to the ABA, um, the practice of law is the, the second most sleep deprived profession. Um, and interestingly, the most unhappy profession in the country. Um, I think those two things are correlated. Getting enough sleep so you can be at your peak performance, getting away from the idea that you're going to, you know, go hard 12 hours a day. You're not. Um, you're going to, you're not going to perform it at your best. So taking good care of yourself. Um, with sleep, nutrition, exercise, all of that, I think is really important. But I think the big thing is, is just incremental improvement. So, you know, don't think you're going to make this giant leap today. You know, try to be 1% better today and then 1% better tomorrow. I encourage, and I've been on a number of podcasts, uh, involving, you know, new law students and new lawyers. And they say, well, what do you recommend? I said, you should read. You need to read every day. Read fiction, nonfiction. It doesn't matter. You know, learn how to tell a story um, and take care of yourself. So in, in, improving a little bit every day so that you're better tomorrow than you were um, today. I think that those are the big pieces and, and just having that mindset, that sort of beginner mindset. You don't know it all and, and it's okay. You don't need to know it all. Um, but learn a little bit and get better tomorrow, you know, so that tomorrow and over the course of a year, you know, if you improve 1% every day over the course of the year, holy smokes, everything's changed. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how you work with uh, attorneys now to help them make this transition. And, uh, and I would love for you to share a resource if you've got one where maybe people who are listening to this can, can go and learn more. 
Sure. So, uh, and, th- and thank you for asking that. So, you know, we start off with trying to figure out what um, your goals are. What is it that you want to accomplish and then meet you there? And then I basically reverse engineer it. Okay. Um, some people want to get bigger. Some people actually want to get smaller. Almost everybody wants to be more profitable. So we try to figure out how to, to reverse engineer that. Um, and then we look at all of the systems um, and try to figure out, and this is the tricky part, try to figure out what's actually getting in your way. So as we talk about a lot of, for a lot of folks, it's micromanaging. Can I get them to let go of something? Um, even if it's a little thing and then they'll realize, oh, you know, the sky didn't fall in. So let's let go of something else. So we keep working in that direction. Um, and I, I really try to have a very measurable matrix that we could say, okay, look, look at your improvement to show improvement. That's the process. Every client situation is different. So it's not a one size fits all. I, you know, I, I put, um, all of my years of experience and all of my training and, and trying to figure out how to get you where you want to go. My goal ultimately, um, in the later years was to figure out how to put the thing, uh, the firm into a situation where I could sell it. Not everybody's thinking that way. Um, and so I don't want to impose that on them, but as it becomes profitable and it really truly becomes an asset, then they might think about that. And they might go, you know what? I, I really would like to take, you know, six months off and travel the world. Okay. Well, great. Well, let's figure out how to do that. You know, cause that's certainly possible. The way to get a hold of me is really simple. I have a website, mikechastain.com. Um, it kind of lays out what we do. Um, you can set an appointment with me. Um, I do a 45 minute appointment to kind of assess whether one, we're a good fit. You know, is this worth your time or your money and my time? And if we decide that it is, then, you know, we negotiate a price. We figure out exactly what my role is going to be. And, uh, and then we go from there. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and you've got a great book, you know, on the topic, uh, legalese. Um, and uh, is that also available on the website? It's available on the website. It's available on Amazon. Um, you know, it's really about it. it and I, I talk about this in the forward. It was, it was, you know, my journey to take care of myself. I mean, I, when I was a public defender, I spent a lot of time with senior lawyers who were very good and very dedicated. But I watched the stress, you know, just tear them apart, you know, too much drinking, too much stress, not enough sleep, not taking care of themselves. And I didn't want that to happen to me. So, you know, I talk about that and I talk about the the steps that I took. And, and the, the book's really written now so that, you know, you can read a chapter in about five minutes and, and take something, you know, the Eisenhower matrix or time blocking or, you know, just understand the difference between time and energy. You know, our challenge isn't we don't have enough time. We all have the same amount of time. The challenge is, do you have the energy? You know, do you have the energy to write a book? You know, as we talked about before, I, you know, I wrote, I've written five books and I wrote them all at, you know, five and six o'clock in the morning because I had the energy to get up and just crank out the book, you know, just keep working on it. Um, that's not a time problem. That's an energy problem, right? Or could have been an energy problem. So that's what the book talks about. What I'm doing now is, is, you know, builds on that to actually make your firm profitable. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm 
grateful that you've been here and and you've uh, shared a little bit of your wisdom with us today. And um, and I know that folks listening have have walked away with some some great new ideas. So thanks for being here. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.